Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Well, good morning, church family. Good to see you all. Uh, We are going to be in the uh, book of Malachi here this morning. And if you're just joining with us, we're so glad that you're uh, with us. We welcome everybody that's uh, online as well. But uh, we've been uh, working our way here through Malachi. And uh, really, this is a tremendous uh, book uh, because... It, it really speaks to God's people and, and, and what was going on, uh, you know, during the time that uh, the Jews had come back out of exile and they had rebuilt the temple and they rebuilt the walls and they reinstituted uh, worship. But some things had uh, gone kind of uh, awry and uh, God really wants to help them and instruct them and teach them, say, look, your worship has become somewhat apathetic. And uh, he's trying to wake them up out of that. Uh, Last week, we looked a little bit out of chapter 1 about the type of worship that they were offering to God. Remember, they were bringing blemished sacrifices, things that were lame, things that were sick, things that were blind. And God says, you have uh, really uh, profaned my table in bringing these uh, sacrifices to me. And really what we summed up with all of that is that our worship to God really does matter And it's not just in the fact of coming here, like to a church service and lifting our hands, right? Um, Our worship is our way of life. It's it's how we live our life. And God doesn't want our leftovers. And if you remember, God started talking a little bit more about why these people were doing this. And he kind of revealed to us a little bit that it was all stemming from the fact of the priest and how they were allowing these blemished sacrifices. Well, today, uh, God is going to be a little bit more uh, pointed, and he's going to speak through Malachi here uh, out of chapter 2 about the priest, about the spiritual leaders. And so today's message is going to be a little bit different uh, than what we normally might have. Now, I know Jerry's back there. He's running sound, uh, but uh, let me see. Let me have, uh, let's see, Jeff and Alan... Okay, um, could I have you guys come up here and have a seat? I got, uh, if you can, if you can't, that's, that's fine. If it's going to be too hard, that's all right. Um, but you can grab a seat here, and I know Jerry's back there. Uh, Jerry, you're off the hook, okay? But uh, today's message, this is about the spiritual leaders, right? Uh, this is uh, pointed to us. You guys have a seat either way over there. Doesn't matter. Um, you guys are in the hot seat. But uh, God is very serious about the kind of leadership uh, that He has for those that are leading His people. Now, uh, here at this church, there's four of us who are elders. Um, there's Jeff, Alan, Jerry's in the back, and that's me here. Um, all of us lead, we're, we're responsible for leading this congregation, leading the church, and we're supposed to be leading it spiritually. And so this message here is really uh, kind of a message that's really pointed at us today. Uh, and God is going to really remind us today about how important our leadership is uh, to his people. 
And I think this would be helpful to you as well because I think it's good for you to be reminded of the kind of spiritual leadership God expects uh, from those that are leading his people. And I think this would be a great way for you to also write down some things in how you can pray for us uh, that we would lead. Now, we're not perfect, and hopefully we don't claim to be, um, but I think this is a good thing for us to learn and to be reminded of the kind of spiritual leaders that we need to be, as we'll see here, uh, out of Malachi. And so this is what I want you to take away with you this morning. Godly spiritual leadership is important in the church, and without it, the church suffers. And so it's very important that uh, we have godly spiritual leadership uh, in the church. And if not, then the church is going to suffer greatly. So let's read our text here uh, out of Malachi chapter number 2. Scripture says, And now, O priest, this command is for you. He says, If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. A few things that I think is helpful for us to remember as leaders, as godly spiritual leaders, and some things that I think would be helpful for you as well to know that Godly spiritual leaders must keep God's command. Notice what he says here, and Malachi writes here. He says, and now, O priest, this command is for you. And so Malachi is speaking both uh, to the priests and the people, but he's really, he shifted his focus and he says, now listen, priests, listen, godly spiritual leaders, this is for you. You have to take this to heart. You have to listen to what I'm saying. 
And what does he say? What's the command? What's the charge? Verse 2, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart, what's the command? To give honor to my name. Now notice the word honor there. It's in connection to what? To God's name. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about God's name, right? The Lord of hosts. Does anybody remember what that name was, right? The self-existent warrior, right? And here, Malachi is telling his people, he's telling the priest here, he's saying, listen, you must keep my command to bring honor to my name. Now, what were these priests doing? They were accepting sacrifices and willingly doing the sacrifices of using animals that God said, no, I don't want you to use those. I don't want you to use the animals that are, that are blind and lame and sick. He says, you've despised my name. You're not keeping honor to my name. You're not honoring my name. And he says, I want you to have honor to my name. And so to give honor is weight or importance to the great name of God. And so remember, when God speaks of his name, he speaks of all that he is. And as spiritual leaders that lead in this congregation, everything that we do should be a reflection that we honor God, that we honor his great name, how we lead, how we talk, how we teach, how we preach, how we correct, how we instruct, how we love. Everything should be a reflection that we want to honor God. And that's something that you should be expecting from us, that we would honor God's great name in everything that we do. And so the point here is that God has been clear in his commands to them, but they did not listen and obey. I'll tell you right now, you do not want somebody in a church that wants to be a spiritual leader that is not going to listen and obey God's word. Amen. You don't want it. You're going to want somebody who's going to have a passion for God, who's going to want to instruct you and is want to honor God in everything that they do. If they were asked, the priest here, I believe, would have testified and said, oh God, what's wrong? We, we honor you. Look at all these sacrifices that we're doing. But I believe God had a different uh, take on all of that. He said, everything is not fine. Everything's not good. You do not listen to me. You do not obey me. And you do not give honor to my name. And so as the spiritual leaders here at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship, it's important that we honor God's name in everything that we do. How we serve, how we teach, how we shepherd, how we counsel, we are to give God honor to his name. After Malachi gives this command to the priest, he then follows it up with a condition. And listen up, okay? And this is important because I think that as he says, you need to do this, the condition is, if you do this, then this is what will happen. That's what the condition is. You always see it followed by if and then. So he's saying, listen up, spiritual leaders. This is important. If you refuse to honor my name in everything that you do, then this is what is going to happen. 
And he says, basically, he pronounces a curse upon them. There's judgment. And now judgment can be averted if these spiritual leaders will simply honor God's name and do what they're supposed to be doing. So here's the second thing. To be godly spiritual leaders, we must remember God will hold us accountable. Now, these next set of verses here are not easy to hear, but I believe it's very necessary. We need to take these verses to heart. We need to understand that God means business when it comes to honoring his name. And when we as the spiritual leaders don't honor God's name, God will hold us accountable. Notice the condition here. Okay, Here's the word, verse number two. If, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. You know, we use the same type of things uh, with our children sometimes with conditions. We say, okay, if you clean your room, then you will, right? If you don't, then God here is using a condition, and he's saying, priests, listen up. Spiritual leaders, listen up. If you do not honor my name, what is he going to do? There's going to be a curse. God will hold us accountable for what we do and how we lead. Now, notice the condition here. It's pretty interesting. He talks about this contrast to blessings in this verse, right? This concept of a blessing versus a curse, and it's clearly laid out here for these priests. Uh, In fact, in uh, Leviticus 26, uh, verses 1 through 39, lays out what will happen if the priests do not listen. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but let me just kind of summarize it for you. In Leviticus 26, 1 through 39, God tells them, do not make idols. He says, I want you to keep the Sabbath to walk in my statues. And he says, if you do, I will bless you. And what were some of those blessings? Well, rain in their seasons, the land would produce, trees would bear fruit, they would eat food to the full, there would be peace, their enemies would run from them. And in verse 12 of Leviticus 26, get this, he says this, he says, I will walk among you and be your God and I will make my dwelling among you. But then there's a dramatic turn of events here when he's comparing the difference between a blessing and a curse. In Leviticus 26, 14, he says this, but if you do not obey me and keep my commandments, you have broken my covenant. And what are the results of that? He goes on to say, there's going to be sudden tear, there's going to be sickness, there's going to be sowing your seed will be useless, you'll be struck down before your enemies, the land will not yield its produce, your land will become desolate, and your cities a waste. Any priest should have known that obedience to God was very, very important. But what are these priests doing? Boy, they're just acting so lax. They're like, eh, God really doesn't care. It's fine. I mean, look, we've been offering these sacrifices probably for the last 10 years. He's okay with it. No big deal. They become lax and apathetic in their spiritual leadership. 
And God says, no, I'm not going to have any of this anymore. You will be held accountable as you lead these people. And he pronounces this curse on it. The priest in Malachi's day knew this, and yet they were lax and careless in their worship. Chapter 1, we see them not obeying that clear command out of Scripture. They were offering these profane sacrifices to the Lord. And God says, no, 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 this is wrong, this is wrong. And in chapter 2 here, they do not honor the Lord. They're not, they're not keeping the covenant. Covenant unfaithfulness to the name of God brought a curse. In fact, Malachi tells us here in this chapter that the curse is already in action. Look at it. He says, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them. Take a look at that word curse there. The word curse here means to invoke divine harm or evil upon someone or something. One Bible commentator said about this that the penalty for failing to hear and respond to God was so strong, three times in the text he mentions a curse that God would bring on the priest for the disobedience and unbelief. God's name is serious business and nothing pollutes it more than the misconduct of those whose business it is to honor it. And so we are held accountable Hugely, God is not going to just wink at stuff that we do. He's not going to sweep it under the rug and say, well, you probably didn't know. No, we will be held accountable by God for how we lead you spiritually. It's a serious, serious business. Notice how the priests were cursed. I want you to notice these, these curses here. First, I will curse your blessings in leading the people in worship, the priests were to be a blessing to the Israelites and to stand before the people. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26, it says here, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Instead of standing before the people representing the Lord asking for God's blessing upon his people, they themselves now became a curse to the people. And any time that you have spiritual leadership that does not honor God, that will not listen to God, that will not follow God, it is a curse to the people whose ministry those people are sitting under. And so you as, as the uh, fellow sheep here, you need to be praying for us that we will honor God, that we will listen to God, that we will obey God, that we will lead with integrity, that we will be spiritual people and lead you well. Notice here the second curse here. He says, I will rebuke your offspring. Verse 3, God will curse the priest's family that there would soon be an end to their service. God says, I'm so sick and tired of your, your lineage of priests. He says, I'm going to put it into it. I'm going to curse your offspring. You won't produce anymore. He says, it'll stop. Third, he says, I will spread dung or refuse on your faces. There it is. You've probably heard the expression, plain talk is what? Easily understood. 
Well, guess what? God is talking very plainly here, and what does he say? He says, I am so disgusted with the way that you are leading my people that I will spread refuse, I will spread manure, I will spread feces on your face. That's how serious God is about spiritual leadership. God isn't going to get any plainer than that. One thing that we must remember is that when God uses strong language like this, he's serious about what he says. Now, if this is offensive to you or to us, we probably do need to be offended. Because God's not pulling any punches here, right? He's, he's saying, I'm serious about this. When the animals were sacrificed, the animals, the hide was, was stripped from them. They were gutted, and all the entrails were taken out of the animal. The hide, the entrails, and all of the dung that was inside of the animal was taken out, and it was taken outside of the camp, and it was burned. And God says, I'm going to do the exact same thing to you, you priest. I'm going to take that dung that was inside the animals, and I'm going to smear it on your face. And you're going to be taken out, as what he says here in verse number 3. He says, you shall be taken away with it. God says, I am very serious about the kind of leadership that goes on with my people. And so these, these, this dung was taken out, and so the Lord is so disgusted by the priest's lack of honoring him and how they carried out their duties before the people that the Lord uses this graphic language here to say, to put it bluntly, I will take all of that unclean, disgusting mess of the animal and its dung, and I will spread it on your faces, because this is what I think about your leadership. And you will be taken outside of the camp and be burned. And so this language expresses both the degree of revulsion the Lord felt for their behavior and also his attitude towards their hypocritical religious festivals. But what is even more damaging, the priesthood was unfit and unclean to perform their duties and should be taken out of the camp and be burned. And the Lord's purpose in such a warning was to shake them out of their complacency, to shake them out of their apathy, and for them to realize how they are viewed by God. One commentator put it this way. He said, you will be taken from an exalted position to a place of humiliation. God says, I will remove you out of the place. Guys, we must remember that because we are spiritual leaders, God will judge us with a greater strictness. That's why James says that not many of you should be teachers. Why? Because you will be judged with a greater strictness. And when Christ returns, he will judge everything that we said. He will judge our motives. He will judge how we led. He will judge how we loved. He will judge everything that we did as spiritual leaders. This is why we need your prayers. Because we will be judged. And God takes leading his people very seriously and we will be held accountable for that. 
So to be godly spiritual leaders, we must keep God's commandment. We must remember God will hold us accountable. And thirdly, notice what he is here. To be godly spiritual leaders, we need to remember God's covenant and what it means to be a spiritual leader. Now, this is an interesting portion of Scripture here in verse number 4. Because Malachi here, he's mentioning some interesting things here about the Levites. The Levites were priests. And he mentions here a covenant with Levi. Now, when Malachi mentions Levi, he's not referring to the man, but to this lineage of priests. Because this goes all the way back, way back. And he's saying there's this lineage of priests from Levi. And he says there's this covenant. And God chose the tribe of Levi for ministry in the sanctuary and thus put them in a special covenant relationship with him. Now, there's no specific text where God instituted a covenant with the Levitical priest. But we do find some interesting stuff out of Scripture that points when God says, okay, you're going to be priest here. We know from Jeremiah 33, verses 16 through 22, that there is a continual priesthood through Levi that is preserved. When did this covenant begin with Levi? <clears throat> Scripture really isn't clear on this. However, through the Old Testament, we find some interesting stories that point to this covenant that God established with Levi. In the book of Exodus, we find the Levites were the ones that were siding with Moses in the incident of the golden calf. Remember, Moses goes up there to uh, Mount Sinai, and he's, he's up there, he's getting the, the tablets. He comes down, he left Aaron in charge, and everyone's like, oh, what happened to this Moses guy? I don't know, I don't know. Hey, why don't you uh, build us a, a god that we can worship? And I always love the, uh, the response. Aaron's like, well, you know, it's kind of weird. They just gave us all this gold, and then we put it in the fire, and pop, out came this calf. I, I don't know. And here's these Levites. They side with Moses, and they say, uh-uh-uh, we're not going to do this, guys. We are not going to behave this way. We're not going to act this way. They side with Moses. And uh, God, basically, they, they say, we're going to teach God's ordinances. And you can read about that story in Exodus 32, verses uh, 25 through 29, and Exodus 33, verses 8 through 11. Now, hold your place here in Malachi. Let's turn over to the book of Numbers here. Now, this is a really, really interesting story about, uh, about the Levites here. Numbers chapter 25 and verses uh, 1 through 15. Now, I want you to see this one because it connects here directly to our text, okay? Israel, during this time, was led into idolatry by joining themselves to Moabite women. And God's judgment was upon them, and people were dying of a plague. God sent a plague, and they were dying from this. People were dying. The people decide, they say, oh, oh okay, okay, we better not be joining ourselves to these Moabite women. They say, let's stop, let's stop. And so they start to repent of this. And just as the nation was bowing in repentance, another Israelite man, a Simeonite named Zimri, and a Midianite woman named Kozbi, were committing fornication in the name of religious prostitution and worship. So this is going on. 
You have the nation of Israel saying, okay, guys, we need to stop this. We need to stop this. And then all of a sudden this guy's like, hey, you know what? Hey, let's get together. Let's go into my tent, babe. So they're in there and they're committing this fornication. And what happens? Who's going to stand up for God? Who's going to stand up for his honor? Who's going to correct this behavior? Well, Numbers 25, verses 7 through 8, we find Phineas, who was a Levite. Notice what it says here, Numbers 25, verse 7 and 8. When Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose, left the congregation, and took a spear in his hand, and went after the man of Israel into the chamber, and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through their belly. Thus the plague of the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. He says, you know what? God's name is being profaned. People are not doing what they should be doing and worshiping God. I'm going to stand for God's glory. I'm going to correct this. And he rises up, grabs a spear, goes into the tent, catches these people in the very act, and spears them right through the belly. He was very zealous to make sure that he was going to honor God and give God's honor that he deserved. Now look at verse number 11, because this is interesting. Verse 11, it says, Phineas the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Numbers 25, 12, look at verse number 12. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of what? Peace. Now look back here at Malachi. Look what it says here. Verse 5, this connects these two things. My covenant with him was of one of life and what? Peace. Do you see the connection here? Do you see how God takes spiritual leadership, how he views it. He says, those that lead the people of God, it is so important. Now, it's not the fact that we need to go around with spears and, and you know, spearing people, right? Not that. But the fact that we would stand for truth, that we would rebuke sin, right? That we would not join in with everything else, that we would take a stand for God, for righteousness, for holiness, because we are here to honor God's name. And so he connects these two things here as the perpetual priesthood because of his zeal for God's name. Phineas cared more about God's name and who God is and his glory and was willing to stand up for God when no one else would. He stood for God when it mattered most. And so God is very clear to these priests here in Malachi's day, by comparing what they were doing and allowing to how Phineas led and stood for and what he stood for. He shows them how they have failed in being good spiritual leaders. And we can clearly see this contrast in verses 7 and 9 here, which we'll uh, comment on here in just a few moments. But what does this teach us? It teaches us what's important what we need to stand for and fight for. We need to be zealous for God, for his word, for his name. We need to stand up for Christ, to boldly proclaim Christ, to fight the good fight of faith, to not give in. 
to make sure that we are going to stand. This world is becoming increasingly dark, depraved, and we need men, spiritual men, who are going to stand up in the face of it and say, that's wrong. That does not honor God. We're not going in this direction. We're going to stand for God. And if everybody else says, eh, 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 we're not going to follow you, we still need to be resolved that we are going to stand for God and that we will stand for God. Now, if you're thinking, well, Mike, that was the Old Testament and those people were priests and nowhere in Scripture in the New Testament do we have the office of priest any longer. Yes, you are right. The New Testament never uses the term priest to describe an elder or pastor in the church. There's no official office of priesthood uh, in the New Testament church. And the reason is very clear. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 teaches us that the former priest, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were pre prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make an intercession for them. Jesus Christ himself has become a permanent priest for us, and the Old Testament priesthood is now obsolete. We don't make sacrifices anymore. We don't bring animals in here and burn them and sacrifice them. But, however, I believe this passage out of Malachi still applies to spiritual leaders in the church today. Because not only were the priests supposed to be ministering in, through the sacrifices... But notice what else, how they ministered to the people of God. Look what it says here, verse number 7. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Can anyone guess what duty the elders have that the priest had as well? teaching. We are accountable to God for what we teach you, for how we teach, for what we say, for what we allow to be taught. We are accountable. 1 Timothy 3.2 teaches that one of the many qualifications of an elder in the church is that they need to be able to teach. 1 Timothy 5.17 tells us that there's those in some cases, elders in a church that make a living from preaching and teaching. I'm vocational. I get paid to labor in preaching and teaching. So there's this connection here of us being teachers as well. Out of the four of us here, Jeff, Alan, Jerry, and me, uh, I'm the only one that's really full-time. These other guys, they have other jobs as well. Although I can add now a uh, bat exterminator to my list. You'll have to ask Kathy about it, but anyways, she's not here. But the Malachi, in the priest of Malachi's day, they taught however they wanted to. They taught uh, whatever they wanted to say, uh, what they modeled, how they lived their life. It modeled corruption. 
Again, this is, this is why I think that the church is in so much trouble today. Because there are people that are leading the church that go along with whatever culture wants. They just say, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, God's okay with that. He's not okay with it. This is why you need to have men who are willing to say what is hard to say. You need to have men that can speak and speak clearly about what is going on and say, no, we're not going in that direction and stand up for truth. Now let's finish up this message really quick with what we as godly spiritual leaders should be striving for. Now to the rest of the church family, I encourage you to write these things down and make them a list for you for things to pray for us for as uh, elders that we would strive for in our ministry towards you. Here they are. Five habits to strive for as a godly spiritual leader. Number one, hear and to be faithful to the word of God. In verses uh, 2 and 6, here in Malachi, here in chapter 2, you find here the people, it says, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, the priests of Malachi's day weren't listening to and being faithful to the word. There was a failure to hear God in Scripture. As elders, we need to be faithfully listening to the word of Scripture and listening to what God says. That means we have to be spending time in the word. Because how can we lead you if we're not in the word ourselves? It's very important. The priests of Malachi's day, they failed to listen to God's word. They said, "Uh, I know it all. I've been in church for... I've been a priest for time out. They failed to hear God's word and listen to it. And so we need to be faithful to the word. Verse 6, he says this. He says, true instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many from Iniquity. Truth here is a true statement with the implication that the statement is dependable. As teachers of the word, we have been charged by God with the duty to be faithful in giving instruction, to expound it, to apply it. And so we need to be faithful in doing that. Secondly, we need to have a heart for God's glory. Verses uh, 2, 4, and 5. Verses 4 and 5 here, you see this contrast between the success of verse 5 and the failure in verse 2, right? The teachers did not take it to heart. Verse 5, he says, my covenant with them was one of life and peace. I gave it to them. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. Verse 2, you don't see them. They don't honor him. They don't fear God, right? So we as... Spiritual leaders, we need to have a heart for God's glory. This means to take it to heart, this, to have considered weight in the heart. Um, it's, it's the idea that, that it's, the, it's the center of our life, or our ministry. And so everything that we do should have a heart for God behind it. There are churches that are filled with leaders who are great business people, great orators, make you feel good. Boy, they can tell you all kinds of stuff, right? But are they doing it for the glory of God? 
That's what's important. Have a, a heart for God's glory. Third, be above reproach and lead others into truth. Look at the first line in verse number eight. You have turned aside from the way, verse nine, so I also have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you were not what? Keeping my ways. Way here is this course of conduct, how they live their life. An elder is supposed to be above reproach, not perfect, but to be above reproach. And so we, as the spiritual leaders here, we need to be living our lives in such a way that it's above reproach. That nobody can point and say, right? That's how we need to be living our lives. It's we need to be above reproach and lead others into truth. And the way that we lead people must be into truth. Our ministry should be consumed with always pointing people not to ourselves, but to who? To Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And that's how we should be modeling our ministry to you, is pointing others to Jesus. Fourthly, we are to teach without partiality. Verse 9, look at the end of verse 9. Just as you were not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. And so we must not fall into the trap of preaching or teaching only to please people. The priests were guilty of teaching only what the people wanted to hear. Uh, Paul reminds us, uh, he told to Timothy, he said, in the last days there will be people just heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, they just want to be uh, sitting under the teaching of people that will tell them what they want to hear. Well, there's nothing wrong. You're great. You're wonderful. You're this. You're that. God's okay with this. God's okay with that. And that's a mark of the last days. And we as godly spiritual people need to teach without partiality. We must not worry about offending others, hurting their feelings, or stepping on their toes when we teach God's word. We should not dodge tough passages of scripture or confront sin. I'll tell you, I am not looking forward to the next portion of scripture in Malachi chapter number 3. Because there are some hard and difficult things to talk about. And even in the rest of chapter 2 as well. But you know what? If we're going to be faithful, we have to teach the whole counsel of God's word. Not just the parts that make us feel good and the parts that we like. Lastly, we need to love the Lord's sheep by instructing them. Look at the middle of verse 8. You have caused many to stumble by the instruction. To cause, to make an heir is the idea there. He says, because of your teaching, you have caused people to stumble in their, because of your instruction. And we as spiritual leaders, we need to love you, love the Lord's sheep. We're sheep as well. But we need to love you, and the way that we love you is we are going to instruct you with correct teaching. And to help you and guide you and direct you in the way that it needs to be. In Jeremiah 23.1, Jeremiah writes and he says that they were shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. And if we truly love God's people, we will instruct them in truth and help them continue in truth. And this is what we as spiritual leaders need to be doing. Now, no doubt, there's probably 
better spiritual leaders out there. I'm sure there is. But I think that all of us can always grow in our spiritual leadership. And I hope that that's what you would be expecting from us as well, that we would continue to grow in our spiritual leadership. We're not going to be perfect, but I would hope that we would desire to be godly. That I hope that we would desire to lead, lead with integrity, with love, with grace, with truth. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.